theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston press to ATO. Three, two, one. Bienvenido, amigos. Hola. How are you all doing? I am very grateful to be here. I am excited for this conversation, even though it's not an uplifting conversation. But who knows? It might actually end up being something that we're taking reflection on and finding some positivity through it. Hopefully. We'll see. I think, honestly, the importance of this episode, of what we're talking about today, can't be like overestimated. I would say that we're, ta- we're talking about a phenomenon that we've never really actually lived around, but this is something that really recently came like really literally across the street from our home. <laughs> so, um, and it has to do with the, with the ocean. Um, yeah. And I mean, our planet is so very precious and I feel like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, be like, everyone needs to be hogging a tree or anything like hippie that. But, Quinn. Hippie Quinn. But uh, come on, I mean, our planet is amazing. It is so fantastic and we do need to protect it Mm. and um you know things happen and unfortunately a lot of it has to do with um you know human interaction and behavior um but sometimes it happens naturally as well right but i think you know we just want to make sure that we are explaining what's going on in here in florida and tampa if you've heard about it in the news yeah let's let's tell them from what what happened on our specific journey yeah so we woke up, you know, we go on our walks on the beach and we went to the beach and all of a sudden we're seeing all these dead fish all over the beach. Like they float ashore and they're like bloated. Their guts are starting to come out. It's actually really gross. And it's really sad. Like it's yeah. really devastating and it smells horrible. And you're like, what the heck is going on? And the water is a bit more foamy. Yeah. And this all occurred right after... The hurricane that just recently went through it was expected to be a lot worse than it was and it was exciting we were very excited about the hurricane but the i don't, I don't know how much the aftermath of the hurricane from like mixing up the ocean played a role in bringing red tide to the uh west coast of florida yeah. but it really it, it's it's bad in treasure island but it's horrible in like St. Pete's and in the Bay itself, Tampa Bay, yeah, because they can't get the the water to move on out. It's kind of stuck when it's in a bay. So, yeah. why don't you explain a little bit about what red tide is? Yeah, so we'd heard red tide. I think the first time we'd ever heard of it was really when we were in Galveston, Texas. We were about to go on a cruise, mm-hmm. and that was something that was occurring. And people had warned us, "Don't go in the ocean. The red tide's pretty bad." We're like, "Oh, well, okay, it's fine. We're not going to go in the water here, anyways. We're going to go on the cruise." Right. But red tide here has now become something that everyone around us talks about, and this is what it is. Um, red tide is basically um, it's it's one type of harmful algae bloom. So this mm-hmm. is like an algae bloom, and the blooms occur when colonies of algae, like simple ocean plants that live in the sea, basically grow out of control. Mm-hmm. Like they grow out of control, and like they actually um, produce toxic or harmful effects on people, fish. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually it's a naturally occurring thing that does happen in the ocean. Okay? But it can be escalated. But it can certainly be escalated. And you can imagine, like, just thinking about the ripple effects of it, this is harmful for humans to swim in, to be around, and to actually breathe in the ocean air, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's harmful to the fish. Like we said, there were fish all over the beach, dead fish floating in the water, bloated. It was weird. But you can imagine how that affects the ecosystem. The birds eat 
the fish. Right. There's a lot that goes on. So all, everything gets affected by this. And, essentially. and there's a lot of conversation on how the red tide was influenced by, what was it, maybe two months ago, there was a, a, a mishap where a lot of chemicals that are pol- pollutants were poured into the ocean. And that yeah. happened just on the other side of the bridge, like on the other side of the bay entrance. And it we, it happened. It didn't seem like there's too many effects, but I I think a lot of people are now becoming more aware of how that may have been correlated with the increase in red tide, which has been the worst that they've said they've seen in this area ever. I mean, we're at the point where there may be a state of emergency that's going to be stated pretty soon. Maybe by the time you hear this podcast, it's already been stated. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they, they, what happened, it was earlier this year, actually, where the, I think it was like the pipe bursted. It it Mm. was not, it was an old energy system, energy plant, basically. And these chemicals leaked out into the into the water and they said, oh no, it's fine. It's contained. It's not going to be in your drinking water. That's mm-hmm. what they were saying. It's yeah. the most important that thing. The is the, it's not going to be in your drinking water because everyone was nervous about it and that was a potential. They said, no, that's not happening. But with the hurricane and whatnot, I just think that a lot of a lot of those chemicals that had not yet been cleaned up mm-hmm. were whipped up into the ocean and caused contributed contributed like just like you said it just increased it, it further escalated escalated it. what red tide the red tide that was already occurring yeah um in the ocean and so, so it's really bad i mean if you swim if, in if it you, right now your eyes hurt yeah we well we haven't swam in it we've we been very cautious about it and if you go on youtube you can see some of the images but just to give you a mental visual the numbers of fish that have been collected they've put city teams on full force of just collecting these fish, wrapping them in trash bags and getting rid of them because there's so many of them. 600 tons of fish have been collected in our area. That is 1,200,000 pounds of fish. So So we're looking at a lot of fish. We've seen a lot. When we were on the beach, I have to say, they cleaned up a lot. But And and we're on the north side of the bay. We're fairly far from the entrance of the bay. Where where the where it's the water's stuck, oh my gosh, it is just horrific, and I've seen so many crazy images, and I don't know, it it makes me feel some type of way for sure. Nature is what re-energizes us. I don't want this whole episode to be focused on red tide, but I do kind of want to go into the idea of how this made us reflect on like the bigger picture, and yeah, I definitely think one reflection is. Nature is essential. We got to do our part to take care of it. it. I mean, it's like the way we would charge would be we would go in the ocean and float. It kind of ruined everything for us with Treasure Island, but I hope that it continues to get better. The water will move out, and um, yeah, just takes so. It's going to take so much time for it, it to, for Earth to repair itself from this. Yeah, and I mean, the Earth is an amazing, beautiful thing, and the ocean is too. I mean, it really does have the ability to heal itself, but only to a certain extent. I mean, we're seeing coral reefs die and not come back also, even though that's been an ecosystem that the ocean has been able to regenerate for centuries and centuries. And mm-hmm. and there is a point where it gets, it, it's too far gone that it can't actually heal itself. And yeah. right now it's in that moment, especially like John said, the 
area where it's hard to actually move the water out of the bay yeah. is really bad. And it's not just fish on the shore. Fish are just like floating in the ocean randomly. Mm-hmm. And the saddest thing to me that really broke my heart were the dolphins too. I mean, there yeah. were dead dolphins as well. And it's like, it's not just fish. It's all mammals. Like it, ocean mammals are yeah. being affected by this. And the ocean is going to take a lot of time to heal. There's there's not that much that we can do to reverse it either. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a time, a, a moment where certain things on earth, if we don't do, if we don't protect or we don't do our part to heal mm-hmm. it or to reverse things, um, it's going to be to the point where we're, we're, we've gone too far. And I don't yeah. want that. And, and so this is not necessarily a PSA of doing your part, but maybe it is. I think it definitely made us both, like you said, reflect on, you know, what could we do even more? Um, because nature really is such a huge, especially, you know, during the pandemic when we were all in lockdown, what was the safe haven for us? It was going outside, you Mm -hmm. know, we had to be inside, but if we had space and there was nature, that was like such a moment of rejuvenation for us both. I mean, for you and me, if we had every day, we tried to go out and float in the ocean and that was such a, an amazing part of living here. Mm -hmm. But now we live across the street from the beach the, the air doesn't smell very good right now. It makes you cough a little bit. It does make you cough a little bit. And that's the danger of it. Honestly, for most people, it's 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 what's in the air and gets mm-hmm. into your lungs. Um, so you can sit on the beach, but you can't go in the water and it's really hot. So it's like, man, you know, what? Are, this to me is certainly i mean it's it's a huge priority for florida but it's a, it should be a huge priority for anyone i mean yeah. this is this is vacationville right here like this mm-hmm. is like this is where you want to come to relax and hang out yeah. and then you come here and you realize i can't right now this well, is definitely not where i need to be yeah it, may, it made me think a bit more about pre- taking preventative actions and the importance of doing so when it comes to i think we can categorize it in in the term of health when it yeah. comes to earth's health you don't want to wait until it's a problem and yeah. then try to resolve it because they, they've they proposed many solutions for how to address red tide in the future. They discussed some type of clay that they can pour into the ocean and it will attach to the algae and then bring it down to the mm-hmm. bottom. And I guess at that point, then it like kind of kills itself so that it doesn't continue to spread. But that that solution, they said, is at least a year away. Hmm. We don't have a year. I mean, the red tide has only been getting worse and worse and worse. And we're kind of in a situation that we're hopeful that mother nature does its thing and pushes the water out of our area and then kind of like mixes up the whole stew, you know, so it's not so concentrated in one region. And that we have no control of. Yeah, we could really use a hurricane right now, but we can't just generate a hurricane at our will, yeah. right? Like, well, we could use a hurricane that like pulls it out and yeah. keeps it out. I but know. The, you know, hurricanes like, they usually go inland. It's, it's yeah. so complicated. So it made me think about the importance of like if we're categorizing all this as preventative health. I think that it made me reflect on what we could do to ensure that we're doing the same thing on a micro level. Yeah. What are we doing right now to take care of ourselves and how important is it for us to prioritize our own health over everything else? Yeah. And I kind of, I I don't know, I've been feeling some type of way where I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things that you can't control, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta do the things that you can control and just keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it is a balance. It is a balance. I, I think that what's hard too is 
you know, I never really understood or took Red Tide seriously until it hit my home. It's here mm. in our home right now. Like, not in our home, but in the place that we the live. The windows are open, technically, it is. It is, technically. And so, um, and that's unfortunately the way that a lot of people think as well. Like, oh, well, that's their problem. Like, oh, Miami's going to go underwater, mm. and that that's their problem. I'm, I'm living over here in Texas or in California, mm. and that's fine. I don't really care about that. Yeah. No, we're all interconnected in some way. And yeah. I do feel like... Especially well, Earth. You know, and on Earth, like, on everything will eventually catch up to each of us at some yeah. point. Right. And I think that in a way, when you're talking about individual preventative health, like we want to like actually take good care of ourselves yeah. before it's like, Oh my gosh, we have cancer or something like that. Now I'm yeah. going to change my habits. It's like, yeah. well, maybe there were some things and maybe not, right. Yeah. Maybe but, not like red tide happens naturally. Right. But now it's been accelerated to a whole new level that didn't need to actually happen. Right. It was mm-hmm. like a combination of different things right. that, unfortunately all came together to make a really horrible situation even worse. And so with, um, I think that it takes us all. I mean, we should all consider and care for our earth wherever it is, whatever is occurring, even if it doesn't necessarily affect you in your life. And that to me is one thing that I've reflected on is my perspective of, Oh, that's happening over there in, in Los Angeles. The pollution is like really bad. It mm. doesn't really matter. They should really figure that out. Yeah. Or yeah. The fires and stuff. Yeah. Too. Like, come on guys. Like this is all going to affect us at some point, whether mm-hmm. it's someone that you love or it's the place that you love to go visit or the place that where your job, like a really amazing opportunity could have happened and mm. it's not there anymore because certain things happened. And so I just think, you know, understand that we all are interconnected and this is our planet mm. that we really should take. It's not necessarily, you know, also, I think I hear a lot of times, oh, it's the government's job to do it. Well, the government can incentivize, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's upon us all. I mean, it's not like the government officials are the ones who should care about it only. Well, we we should, we should all care Yeah, and all do our, our own little part. I mean, I don't know. It, it's so simple. Together seems to be a key word that I'm hearing a lot right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. Well, because we're all connected and if we're all connected, then we need each other. So, yeah, and it's, a, it's so complicated. I mean, I, I think preventative is one thing and we could even extend that beyond just health, earth health and our own personal health. We could say preventative actions. Look at the building that collapsed in Miami and, you know, geez, Louise, like that could have been prevented if those if it was inspected earlier, you know, these types of actions should be thought through. And I think that that chemical spillage could have been prevented. It It wasn't something that was out of their hands completely, but when it happened, it was out of their hands completely. There's nothing you can do when the building's crumbling right there. And then there's nothing you can do when the, the chemicals are overflowing and there's nowhere for it to go and no way to stop it. But there are things you can do and it may require higher up upfront cost to get that those things to be taken care of but for the lives of I mean, 600 tons of fish plus all the sea mammals and all the lives that were lost in the in the building there's no amount of money that would be uh that, that that's not worth investing into yeah. just prevent it yeah you, it, you it, can't bring those people back can't bring the fish back and the amount of time it's going to take for us to get I think of how long it takes to grow that many fish. Not grow fish, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, for, for fish to, to evolve and like to re- re- yeah, re- basically replicate themselves. And it's a domino effect thing too. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. A, it is really 
I mean, it's, it gets kind of scary when you really start digging into it. And I think if, uh, to me, I, I often think about the pandemic because obviously there's not, well, there's an investigation going on. We're not going to go in there, but to, to, to think like, okay, a pandemic viruses are naturally occurring things and it mm-hmm. happened and a pandemic actually did happen. And then economies started closing down and people lost their job and businesses shut down mm-hmm. and all of those things. Those are all like, those are things that ne- like weren't necessarily, we couldn't necessarily prevent them, mm-hmm. but Funding for that research of H1N1 viruses seemed like, well, why are we spending our money on that? Who cares about that? Isn't that just the flu? Well, no. Obviously, we know the importance of understanding the research behind medicine and science. And to me, I'm like, I hope that this changes some perspectives in terms of the research that, you know, Fauci had basically been doing his whole life work on no one really cared about, but he Mm. had been doing that for so long. And other people were care about it when it has a direct influence on them exactly but i'm just saying like if we hadn't had that and i I hope that perspectives change in terms of like what are some of the most what are some of the biggest threats to humanity what are some of those biggest threats yeah he's talking about global warming yeah i know well we should definitely do a whole podcast on his book because (laughs) that is definitely in the realm of what we're talking about is that there are there are only so many years we have left if we go at the same rate to the point where we are too far gone and we don't want that i mean mm-hmm. we really like the the fact that we had we have vaccines for this pandemic this virus even though things are changing and variants are happening um the fact that we have that is a miracle and it's not a miracle because it just happened it's because there was funding for it and then an, an actual real need but there was a lot of research being done before that and i can only mm-hmm. imagine how difficult it was to fight for that funding right. i just hope that there are certain things like that we should be caring about um, that maybe we is not top of mind right now mm-hmm. and maybe just made us both consider like how important nature really is. I mm. think the pandemic made us, we always had that connection with nature, but it just, it, it really intensified it because it mm. was our safe haven or solace when we had to work from home and yeah. everything's at home and you have to be inside all the time. You can't be around humans. So enjoy nature. Well, if you can't enjoy nature anymore, wow, I, like, that's really sad to me. Right. So what what can we do moving forward? Like, I think that I don't have the answers yet. Maybe you don't either, but I think that's something that I definitely am going to be considering moving forward of, you know, what are some of the things that we can do now? Mm. I mean, obviously not someone who can fund grants for research and, and whatnot for like sea life and, and red tide, preventing red tide. Yeah. But I do think that everyone could do something, you know, if it's going to really, if, if it becomes a priority in different ways. And I think that the worst thing that we could do is let it become a priority because it becomes an emergency. Yeah. Here, I have an interesting question for you though, and I have an opinion on it, but I want to hear your perspective prior to me saying my thoughts on okay. it. So when it comes to making decisions, we often say that it's dangerous when the decision is made out of fear. That's kind of when maybe not everything's being thought through and taking a deep breath before making those decisions is is essential to picking the best one and if you just go by fear you're more likely to make a wrong decision than if you're going by opportunity perhaps when it comes to taking preventative actions to address a potential problem in the future i think it could be argued that that may be a decision that you're making based on a negative outcome that could involve uh, that, that could be scary. Mm. How much play do you think there is with the preventative, uh, 
actions to stop a problem? How, how much interaction is that with making a decision in fear? Are mm. they separated? Are they fully integrated? What is your thoughts on it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, when in terms of like, what is the priority that, you know, certain funding or certain actions should go towards? I don't know if it's necessarily only government. It could definitely come from lots of different things like nonprofits and also private businesses and industries and whatnot too. Yeah. But when trying to when trying to assess whether or not the money should go towards here in a preventative manner, yeah. I do think that considering the worst case scenario and how likely that is, yeah. is important, right? Like, so if there was an, like an, the, the leak that happened earlier this year with the, the chemical or energy factory, I can't, I can't remember what it was. It was one, it was either a chemical plant or an energy plant. Yeah. One of the two in Sarasota or Bradenton. Yeah, exactly. And when that happened, it was, well, there had been alarms sent already. It was like, this is super old. This is deteriorating. There's literally nothing. If we don't do anything, this will most, this is the likely, the most likely outcome. Right. And it's not good. Okay. Well, if that's really the only outcome that could happen, if we don't do anything, why wouldn't you do anything? I don't think that's mm. necessarily based in fear, but that's pretty scary. It could go into our water. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone necessarily foresaw what could happen with the red tide that and that whole interaction with the hurricane that yeah. was kind of that's different yeah. but in terms of how it could seep into our water supply and whatnot that's scary why wasn't that a priority why would if that was something that could be prevented mm. why wasn't it was it the money but like how how much is it worth to like give your citizens or your residents peace of mind that their water when they are cooking stuff is not going to be like you're in mexico and you can't drink it you mm. know i mean it's really to me i think that it's looking at the the probability of the worst case scenario mm -hmm. and how close are we to that? What will it cost? Like, yeah. What are the trade-offs of not doing it? And I don't necessarily think that's based in fear, but it could be, mm. right? I mean, it, like the pandemic, like a virus, a pandemic where people are, you know, yeah. dying and, and getting infected with this virus. If someone could glimpse into the future in 2019, what 2020 was going to be, they'd be pretty petrified. I think so. Yeah. They would probably donate as much as they could to, research and <laughs> is vaccine. that what they would do or what would they i don't do? know well the truth is, is there were a lot of countries that had a playbook a, a pandemic playbook yeah. and a lot of that was just thrown out because mm -hmm. decision mode went into fear mode mm. and i don't think that's always the best way to do it you want you can but you also can only plan for so much and then things happen mm -hmm. but i think that if you have some sort of a plan in place and you know what the worst case scenarios are and the best case scenarios and there's stuff in between. Mm -hmm. The thing you want to prevent is the worst case scenario. Right. Right. And, mm -hmm. and if, and especially when it comes to something where humans literally can't do anything about it, mm -hmm. we're so lucky. If this would have happened 50 years ago, we would still be in lockdown for sure. I don't know what would happen. We wouldn't have the vaccine as fast as we did. Yeah. And so, or the, well, we had three vaccines. We have more, more than that around the world. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing that we're, you know, in this place, in this position in, in the world. But there, there are some moments like this moment that we're talking about in Florida where there's not much anyone can do. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to do. Well, we can only late. clean it up. Yeah. It's all, it's happened already. Yeah. You can't go in the water. You shouldn't be can't outside. Can't bring it back to life. Yeah. Little fishies. It's so, very sad. So I want to hear your perspective on it though. Well, I think that the factor that differentiates making decisions out of fear and preventative actions is time mm. because making decisions out of fear, I feel as though if it's a, Oh, I don't want to, I don't, I, you know, if, if there's a hostage situation 
it's essential for one to be like calm and collected and people have practiced that but for an average human if you got five seconds to make a really intense type of decision like that that is one of those situations where you might not be making the best decision long term and if the time is really intense i think that's where you're more likely going to crack and that's why i think like when bad actors are trying to get people to do something there's a intense time limit where you know if you don't choose this at this point in time then boom everyone's dead you know something like that in the preventative action uh idea i think that time is because there is no necessary there's not necessarily a a a clear end point i mean we're, we're talking about like global warming and it's scary to think of what could happen but we do have a few decades before it's really going to get extremely bad if if nothing if no action is taken but if you view that time as you know we if if it was like hey tomorrow if if uh we don't take preventative action it's all going to go crap now we might make some really bad decisions but if you take a step back and you do it with enough time then clarity can be made and the most efficient actions can be taken to address the problems before they're out of control yeah and so i i I, i'm gonna go with time is like an essential part of clarifying between fear decisions and preventative actions yeah i know i also think that time can muddle um priority though too i mean because action expresses if action expresses priority Mm -hmm. then obviously for a lot of people, climate change and the effects that it's going to have negatively on our farming, on our health and all these things um, is not top priority for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And it's understandable in some respects when we've got a pandemic and people are unemployed and people are just trying to get food on their table. Like yeah. It's hard to really digest the macro and the micro in that time, right? Yeah. And the more d- distant it is, the less it matters. Yeah. That's like yeah. to super just intuitive i think to most of us understanding that right Mm -hmm. like if it's gonna happen 50 years from now that's all right but if it's gonna happen five minutes from now whoa okay i need to figure that out so but i do think what's really um one of the major things that i believe uh, especially with bill gates you know like he really obviously he's very altruistic he's really motivated to solve a lot of these these world problems and whatnot but he also understands and this is where i think um Maybe this could be a potential other podcast episode, but hmm. I would like, like, I really think that economic incentives aligning with what's best for the world and for people and animals and all those things, if we can align those, man, the world can change pretty fast. I mean, yeah. if you see, like, okay, dengue for fever, the better. mosquito, the mosquito virus, dengue, still has, it has killed so many people. I got it. I almost, I mean, I don't want to say I almost died, but I could have definitely. It was, scary. It was very you scary. Like, you could have. There's no vaccine for it still. It is not top of mind in terms of uh, there's no economic incentive to make this happen right now. Mm. Well, literally within a year, not even a year from a pandemic hitting the United States and shutting our economies down, did we have at least one vaccine that was ready? Mm. And wow, that shows that if there's an economic incentive and businesses align and the, the right... And you and you're actually solving problems as well. That's to me the sweet spot. Like, and I feel like that's something that Bill Gates does talk about in some ways as well. Is like, you know, the next evolution of energy should be clean. But like, how do you actually like? You got to make sure that people know 
well, there's a lot of money to be made over here that will actually make the world better and you'll reverse effects. What are the economic incentives of people reversing these climate change effects? Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to start with, right? And it's, yeah. it is a priority. If it is a priority to us, it, as it should be, I mean, I don't, I don't want it to be to the point where all of a sudden there are, you know, deserts where we didn't originally have deserts and, you know, like there was water there. Yeah. And then these are, these are definitely models that people are predicting, you know, like really, um, you know, some really bad situations, but of course we don't want to always think doom and gloom, but yeah. to me, I'm a more positive, optimistic individual who really believes that if we can incentivize people to solve these problems before it's too late. Mm-hmm. How can we do that? I want to figure that out. I don't know what it is. But. Well, it, it did make me think when we're looking at the word preventative, it's as if there's a negative outcome. What if we looked at it like there's a potential really great positive outcome that could be made if we focus on this? And it's not as effective as getting you know herds of individuals to go towards taking action. But I actually appreciate the idea of thinking if we make Earth a little bit more greener, we may have better oxygen in our lungs and we may live longer or there may be more delicious sushi for me because now the fish are that much healthier. You know, like there's so many ways it could be twisted and turned to customize it for each individual and what their own personal desires are. But I don't necessarily, I understand why you got to go with the fear because it fear does make change happen quick. Yeah. But I'm, going to go more of the opportunity route just being that entrepreneurial spirit within me yeah perhaps that could be a a new way of pitching it you know flipping the mindset a bit well like elon musk is tesla electric cars like it's like really don't you want the supercar yeah i mean honestly it's 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 incomparable to a, a combustion vehicle at this point it is and so there are ways to actually improve things that people really want and that is actually better for the earth long-term anyways yeah, also. Get so. it aligned. That's the goal. That's the goal. So enjoy this conversation. If you guys get a chance, do read it. I'll put a, an article in the description for you guys to read about what's going on. It's really sad. I yeah. don't know what the solution is, but um, we'll keep you updated on it. And do your part to keep this earth just beautiful earth as clean and healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. Well we look forward to speaking to you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.